0: Thank you for listening to this DuPont Media production, available on all major podcast platforms. This is Rod Peterson On Demand.
1: Who should the Edmonton Oilers acquire in gold? Braden Holtby, Marc-Andre Fleury, Martin Jones. Leading the way right now, the Flower. Uh, Coming in second in the vote, Braden Holtby, who I think they should. I've been championing that for two years. They got too many goalies in Dallas. Trade Holtby. You guys aren't going anywhere.
0: This is the Rod Peterson Show.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the RP Show on a, what, Wednesday? Midweek? Episode number 688 of your favorite sports talk show is coming your way from beautiful South Florida. One half of the show, and the other half is in the NHL's Bermuda Triangle, where I understand it's quite cold today. We've got breaking news to get to today, Darren Moose-Dupont. We've got a lot of fun topics to get to today. Um, listen, I, it's been quite a morning for me. Um, it, uh, I got caught out in the rain. Got caught out in the rain. Uh-oh. As my mom used to say, that guy doesn't have enough sense to come in from out of the rain. And that was me. I was, uh, <laughs> got rained on in my Jeep. Ah, and then I come home and our gear is almost getting rained on. So now you see the sunshine back here. But that's the kind of morning that I've had, man. How's your, uh, because it's noon Eastern already. How are things out your way?
2: You know what? They're okay. They're okay. It is. I'm just looking minus 30. Uh, That's without the wind chill. Okay. The blizzard is gone, but the snow is piled up to the window. Um, it is. So I sat inside. Uh, you and I had a good conversation on the phone. I watched yeah. Sports Center, had coffee, stayed
1: warm, and uh, yeah, life is good. Okay, good. Well, I see that uh, it's like minus with the wind chill, thirty-five or something in Calgary right now. So by the time we get back there, it's going to be above zero. So uh, got it. So yeah, the guests today. We had to get him. ESPN 1530 Cincinnati's Mo Egger with his Bengals going to the Super Bowl. Mo's going to join us to talk about that unlikely visit by the Bengals. And from the Seattle Kraken broadcast crew, our good friend Mike Benton. Benton on the mic. So those are the guests today. And let's, without any further ado, let's get to the quick six show topic. Please. Can you hit the horn, Director Jordan? Thank you. This isn't even... This is an even point one. This is the breaking news from Wednesday morning. Washington has some new commanders in town. The NFL team announced its new name on Wednesday, 18 months after fresh pressure from sponsors helped convince the one-storied franchise to drop its old moniker following decades of criticism that it was offensive to Native Americans, the term Redskins. The organization committed to avoiding Native American imagery in its rebrand after being called the Washington football team the past two seasons. From 1932 until two seasons ago, Washington had used the name Redskins, which offended some Native Americans and others as the commanders now named this morning washington keeps the same burgundy and gold colors that were around for three super bowl championships in the 1980s and early 90s glory days it follows the desire of team president jason wright and coach ron rivera riverboat run for the new name to have a connection to the u.s military i want to stand up if i could I'm strapped in here. I can't, but say bravo, Washington. I love the name Commanders. That's the poll question today. If the fellows want to put it up on the screen for Capital Automall, Universal Collision Center, Capital with dealerships all across the prairies, do you like the name Commanders? For me, it's an emphatic yes. Shortly after I posted that to Twitter, it was an emphatic no. 100% of respondents said they don't like it, but they don't care. Moose, I'll say it again. I love it. I was hoping there would be a military tie-in. It's pretty cool. Commanders. And listen, I don't think a lot of the voters understand. In America, one out of ten Americans has some sort of affiliation to the military. I actually thought it would be more. A brother, a daughter, a son, a sister, a mother, a father. Somebody has that tie-in to the military. They're in Washington. Go get it. I think it's a major win. Now, it's a little bit of tech mobile ish you know what I mean? Like I like guess playing the video game. Yes. Today, the Washington Commanders versus the New York Comets. But we'll get over that. <laughs> and it's a it's a wonderful name. Way to go, Washington Commanders! I'm a fan, except for when they play the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC in the NFC East.
2: Look, I'm torn, man. You gave a, you gave a great speech. And I'm kind of sold on commanders now. But when I woke up this morning or when I saw the leaks yesterday, I was highly disappointed. But it's not because I think another name is better. I think no name was better. I loved Washington football team. I thought it was organic to the roots. And if they weren't going to go with that, they wanted to have a team name. I can get behind commanders. The only funny thing I saw on Twitter and I was looking at it was, you know, they they said commanders in the military are, are outranked. Was it by generals and admirals? Colonels?: So yeah. So it's already a third-tier name, and uh, it kind of fits for the franchise being in that division. Um, but you know what? It's good. I- I'm cool, the military tie-in. And here's the thing. I said this about names when we were talking about names in other leagues, right? Whether it was Red Blacks or Elks in the Canadian Football League, or, you know, Kraken or Golden Knights in the National Hockey League. You know what? Eventually, the name will just be the name, and we're not going to think it's stupid. So if you think it's stupid now, just give it a few years. You'll come around to it just being the commanders, and away
1: we go. So if it wasn't going to be Washington football team, I'm cool with commander. Patrol man Pete watching Winnipeg says it sounds a bit like the name of a fictional team that would be used in a movie. I know, or like I say, tech mobile, but you'll get used to it. Uh, from Darren in Salt Lake City, Commanders ties into the president or commander in chief. Yeah, I think it's a win. And I appreciate everybody chiming in with their good mornings from wherever you're watching across uh, North America, Canada and the USA on Game Plus Network and YouTube live. By the way, I, I see there was a rant in there. The boys stamped it. Uh, Rods Rand brought to you by Bronco Plumbing and Heating and Cooling. Reach us at 306-781-2090 for any and all of your water softener needs. I know the boys are watching at Bronco Plumbing and Heating. But as far as team names go and being offensive, that seems so 2020. So let's get to the actual games, okay? And here is the number one uh, point. Uh, We're going to talk about the games. We're going to get to Brian Flores, trust me. NHL one-timers from Tuesday night. James Van Reamsdyk snapped the tie game when he scored off a rebound with 4.09 to go to lift Philadelphia over Winnipeg 3-1. That is two straight wins for the Flyers following a 13-game losing streak. Winnipeg's Cal Connor scored 48 seconds into the game. Connor fired one from the circle past Kata Hot for his 25th of the season. The Flyers are now going on the all-star break, and Kata says they could use the break. Um, So I was watching the game. It was our, or at least my featured game last night, watching Flyers-Jets. There's five minutes to go. I'm like, ah, this is going to overtime or a shootout. Do I want to stay up for it? Eh, a minute later, wango, defensive breakdown, two-on-one, Flyers score. Then they get an empty netter. The Jets hold a closed-door meeting after the game. Dave, which, by the way, never works. And Dave Lowry, the head coach, the interim head coach, was like, uh, I don't think these guys know how important these points are right now. 14 points out. It's over. God bless Hustler and all the great Jets fans watching in Winnipeg right now on Bell MTS, Cable System, and Game Plus TV. But it's over. So I've got Jets fans sending me a list of untouchable Jets. There's like 10 names on it, Moose. And I'm like, if these guys are all untouchable, you should be better than you are. And I think they should be better than they are. Nobody really has an answer yet for what's wrong with the Winnipeg Jets, but it's something. And by the way, closed-door meetings don't ever work. Do you, Darren? Because you've been around long enough. You just surpassed your 35th birthday. They had a... Man, that that meeting back in September really turned things around, that closed-door meeting. Remember when we kicked the coaches out? Do you ever remember that? No. That's what bad no. teams do.
2: Yeah, you know, it is. And closed-door meetings, I mean... Sometimes you can have moments, but not after a game. You know, if you have it the next day on an off day when you're feeling uh, a little bit settled or, or on a game day and it can spark you to a win and that can spark you to a second win and a third win. I've seen that, but not right after a game because you still go home or go to your hotel feeling bad. You're not rallied up after the loss and late at night. So it's, it's a little bit tough, but I get it. Whatever you need to do to address this. The thing is when, it, when Winnipeg comes back to you with 10 untouchable players, That tells me two things. A, there's still a lot of good in this organization and there's a chance. Now, even if this season's a write-off, maybe you want to bring them back next year and maybe it's a coaching thing. Maybe it's a couple of pieces in the off season. Cool. But it also tells me if you've got 10 untouchables, who else can bring you value? You're going to have to separate with somebody of value that you like and it's going to hurt in order to try and bring some value back and grow your team, right? It's the only way to grow. You've got to give up something to get something. If they're going to go into a rebuild, it's going to suck for Jets fans because you're going to
1: lose players you love. In uh, the comments, Carlos Legena's watching in Indianapolis. He says, does Cowboys versus Commanders have the same ring to it as Cowboys versus Redskins? No, but it doesn't matter. Redskins are gone. Get over it. From BW watching on YouTube, commandos are better than Elks. It's not the commandos. It's the commanders, okay? They're going to be wearing underwear out there. They're not going to be running around bareback. It's not the commandos. It's the commanders. Come on. Pay attention here. The general in Calgary says game of the night, Rod, flames versus stars. Uh, Maybe for you. Jennifer at the Four Seasons watching, she says 13 in a row. Oh, my. Who's the cancer in the room, I wonder? That was Philly that had lost 13 in a row, not the Winnipeg Jets. We're not having a post-mortem on the Philadelphia Flyers here, okay? We'll leave that up to Dan, the situation, And uh, The Flyers are not our. they are not our dog in the race. Moving on, Alex Galchenyuk was the only scorer in the shootout, and the Arizona Coyotes rallied to beat Colorado 3-2 Tuesday, snapping the Avs 18-game home win streak as we roll through the NHL one-timers here. Chris Kreider had two power play goals and an assist, and the New York Rangers beat NHL-leading Florida 5-2. The Duke, Anthony Duclair, and Sam Reinhardt scored for Florida. Alexander Barkov had a couple of uh, helpers, in Tampa, Victor Hedman scored from the left circle with 2.15 left in overtime. In Tampa Bay, beats San Jose 3-2. In Boston, David Pastrnak scored twice, including a tie-breaking power play goal in the third to lift Boston over Seattle 3-2. And it's starting to rain again. Pray for me. Oh, Mitch Marner had two goals. Mitch Marner had two goals and an apple. Jack Campbell made 31 saves in Toronto. Routed New Jersey 7-1. In Pittsburgh, Dmitry Orlov scored his second goal of the game in the final minute of overtime to give Washington a 4-3 win over Pittsburgh. In New York, Oliver Wallstrom and Matthew Barzal scored in the second period. Ilya Sorokin stopped 26 to 27 shots, and the Islanders beat Ottawa 4-1. Philip Forsberg scored twice, and UC Soros made 30 saves in the 100th win of his career. Nashville beat Vancouver 4-2, also scoring for Nashville. Tanner Janot, what do you know? The pride of Oxbow Sask. Oliver Collington exited the penalty box, joined a rush and scored to cap a three-goal rally in the third period as Calgary defeated Dallas 4-1. That's the game everybody's talking about. I understand the Flames' comeback there. Andrew Nangiapani and Johnny Gaudreau also scored third-period goals. And Elias Lindholm assisted on the tying and winning goals. And in Vegas, Mark Stone, Jonathan Marchessault, and Brett Howden each had a goal and a helper, and Vegas beat Buffalo 5-2. That's what happened in the NHL on Tuesday night.
0: How about that?
1: And now if you're, and now if you're ready, folks, can we go with the NHL top five, bottom five? Where, here are ye, here are ye, here we go. Another shift in the top five from the RP show is... Collected by the host, the number one team in the NHL remains the Florida Panthers. 69 points are number one in the NHL. And they, of course, set a record for goals in a month coming out of January. These guys are something special. Number two, Colorado. They've won nine of ten. They're the NHL's hottest team. And despite stubbing their toe against the Yotes last night, uh, you got to watch out for these guys. Number three, the Carolina Hurricanes. They weren't in our top five last week. We might have been remiss, but they're back. They've won four in a row. Their 762 winning percentage is actually better than Florida. Carolina's number three. Number four, the Tampa Bay Lightning. What can I say? The 3 Pete is alive. And number five, how about this? The Toronto Maple Leafs. How about five wins in a row. Five wins in a row are five wins in a row. Definitely the best team in Canada. Now to the bottom five teams in the National Hockey League. Number 28, the Buffalo Sabres. Congratulations, Buffalo. You narrowly beat out Philly for the fifth worst team in the NHL. Number 29, New Jersey. This is their first appearance in our bottom five all year. So bravo to them. Their 389 winning percentage is actually worse than Ottawa. Number 30, Seattle Kraken. Again, the worst team in the worst division. Congrats. Number 31, the Arizona Coyotes. It's getting even colder in the Valley of the Sun. Minus 68 now. In plus minus. And uh, the worst team in the NHL. I'm sorry, it breaks my heart to say it. Number 32, the Montreal Canadiens. 23 points in the NHL. One win in their last 10 games. After having been there in June, Moose, with you, Stanley Cup Final. It's very hard to believe this is the situation that the Habs are looking at. But it is what it is. And there'll be sellers leading up to the deadline. Um, Any last thoughts for you on our top five, bottom five, or anything else before we break and come back with Brian Flores? Uh, I talked to a rough rider, former rough rider, who's very upset with the way things have gone there. But your take on our points so far.
2: Yeah, the top five, bottom five, that Montreal thing, man. I mean, I feel so bad for the fan base. We were around that city, and it was just up here, right? It was so high and so exciting, and you really felt... This is like the birthplace of hockey. And this is what it's supposed to be. The Canadians are good. They're passionate. They're excited. You know, and now this. I just can't imagine what the city's going through right now. So it kind of breaks my heart a little bit.
1: Interesting yesterday when Eric Engels was on from Sportsnet Montreal saying they've had all wide range of emotions, everything they felt in Montreal. And believe me, I get it. And when we were talking about that, uh, it reminded me of Grey Cups past, where I would be covering Grey Cups with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And I would be on all these media outlets across the country, and they'd be going, Rod, what's the attitude? What's it like in Rider Nation right now? What's it like in Saskatchewan? I'm like, I don't know. I'm at Grey Cup. I can only imagine. Right. But But it's a nice segue. When we come back, we will talk about Brian Flores, the former Miami Dolphins coach who's suing the NFL for racist practices in the most popular sports league in America. I've reached out to some of my friends in the NFL, and I'm going to tell you what they had to say about this. And also, uh, Ed Ganey is departing the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, a very storied member of that football club, big part of it, and he ain't happy. So it's going to be ball for all, a lot of football, when we come back. You're watching the RP Show on the Game Plus Television Network, YouTube Live, and 24-hour sports radio at rodpeterson.com.
0: Head to youtube.com slash The Rod Peterson Show now. You gotta subscribe. Click the subscribe button for all the content you may have missed. Hey, honey, can you get one of the kids to show me how this Twitter thing works? Honey, I need to get on Instagram. Time for more of The Rod Peterson Show.
1: RP show continues. I want to tell you that Jeff Foxworthy is the master of redneck comedy, and he's coming to Grey Eagle Event Center Saturday, May 28th. Actor, writer, producer, and the former host of Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? Jeff Foxworthy's hilarious show can't be missed. Tickets are available now at ticketmaster.ca. We hope to see you there at Grey Eagle Resorting Casino Event Center. So I'm going to go a little out of order here. We will. we will get to the nfl story in a moment but gosh knows every other network is all over we pride ourselves here on game plus tv to be a little different which reminds me mo egger i understand has not decided yet if he's going to super bowl or not his radio station and since he has not decided and we're like we're going but he doesn't have the backing of a national television network like we do game plus so i'm just very grateful that we're going moose now Isn't it wonderful in 2022, and it's been this way for a few years, that um, players have their own voice through social media. It's awesome. Tom Brady announces his retirement himself on Tuesday. Ed Gainey, star defensive back in the CFL. What's he been with the Riders? Four years? Not anymore. He took to Twitter early Wednesday morning to say, so long, Rider Nation, or something like that. It's been nice, Rider Nation. Kind of, I guess he had a back and forth with some fans in a, in a great way, a positive way. But he's leaving Saskatchewan not very happy. So I uh, sent him a note, know him very well. We we're with uh, the team at the same time. He didn't want to comment publicly because he just felt that wouldn't serve him well. Uh, he said he wants to sign with another team and move on. And I saw Luchez Pirafoya, Defensive Player of the Year of the Rough Riders, grumbling within the last week about his contract negotiations with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So you and I had a little bit of a talk about this before the show in terms of what we were going to discuss. I think if I say anything critical about the Rough Riders, it would come across as sour grapes. So, you know, I've got fans tweeting me saying, Rod, what have the Riders done to show us that they are serious about contending for the Grey Cup this year? My answer to that was still a lot of time. It's February 2nd, a lot of time, and free agency hasn't even opened open yet. Maybe that they are, you know, collecting a war chest of money to go after some really big-name guys that they covet. I don't know who would be bigger names than Ed Ganey or Luchez Pirafoy in that secondary, but people are getting upset. I hear the quelling, getting louder in the Ryder Nation. And so, as I said to you, and I'll tell our viewers, and then you can have the floor. I guess when you look at this regime with the Rough Riders right now, since Chris Jones left, Jeremy O'Day and Craig Dickinson, uh, how, do you, how do you judge success? It's different for everybody. If you want to judge it on a one-loss record, they're 22-10. and 10. That's pretty good. I'm no mathematician, but that's a pretty good winning percentage. It's over 750, isn't it? You're the math guy. Is not over 750?
2: It's, yeah, it's, it's,
1: it's awesome. I mean... Somebody will figure, somebody will figure it out. Yeah. And hang on. And they've hosted home playoff games in each year. So if that is your barometer for success, I don't know anymore how things are done in Ryder. I got no idea. I don't know what how the board measures success or the president. I don't know. <laughs> you know the franchises that judge success by championships. Yeah, I kind of think that's how you judge it. At least that's how I do. And they don't have any of those. So there's a lot of pressure on, uh, you know, in this regime. So I'm, I'm kind of saying it's February 2nd. We'll sit back and let's see how it all plays out. It's very early on in, in uh, this offseason. It really is, technically. But the pressure's on. Fans don't like what they see. I say it's not time to panic yet. You?
2: It's definitely not time to panic. I mean, if you're winning two out of every three games now, it's not 750, but it's two-thirds of your games, right? If you're winning two out of three games, it's pretty good. What's that, 66%? So, look, yeah, like, and it's the junior hockey conversation we have with, with personnel and hockey people all across this country too, right? What's a product of success in junior hockey? Playoff games and championships, or players graduating to the, to the NHL, right? What's a, what's a successful junior hockey franchise? And, and people have a different answer. Now, when it comes to pro sports, I mean, this team in, in Saskatchewan for a lot of years, would, they wouldn't even hope of a home playoff game. I mean, that was a luxury. like It just never happened. It wasn't even something you hoped for. It was just you, you know, you tried to get into the playoffs. And now that, you know, they're winning games on a consistent basis. That's good. They're, they're having home playoff games, which is great. But now it needs to translate into championships. And I think, you know, it, the, the fan base is going to start to get a little bit unsettled when, when you're not competing and getting to Grey Cups and winning Grey Cups. And you're not there yet. I think you got to be patient. But you're right. It's not even free agency yet. But the noise is starting to creep up. You're starting to lose some impact players here. And now you're starting to get more criticism on the moves that are happening because this team needs to win. And especially having a Grey Cup at home, right? You look at the last time they were here, they loaded up for the Grey Cup at home. People want to buy tickets to the Grey Cup in Saskatchewan because they they know their team's going to be in it. And right now, they're just not so sure. And now you're seeing what's happening in LA, and the Rams have loaded up, and now they're going to play in the Super Bowl at home. Tampa won the Super Bowl at home, right? So Ryder fans want to win the Grey Cup at home.
1: So I think that's why you're getting a little bit impatient. You're seeing that from the fan base. Yeah, there's a little more to it than that, too. But I think in my monologue, I was remiss. I I meant to put this in, and I will now. What I'm hearing from Ryder fans is they are quite upset that they look down Highway Number 1 and see the Winnipeg Blue Bombers as back-to-back champions. That's really not sitting well in Saskatchewan. And there is no reason to believe that Saskatchewan's done anything to supplant Winnipeg. As the favorites to be the Great Cup. And there would be nothing that would upset the Ryder Nation more than to have Winnipeg represent the West Division in Mosaic Stadium this November. So, that more than anything, that's what's sticking in their cross, seeing the success of their top rival. And you have to understand that the shoe does eventually change feet. You, you can't have the one shoe on forever. These things change. Look at the Patriots. They're not the Patriots anymore. You know, I've been telling you for two years. That Winnipeg has supplanted Saskatchewan as the flagship franchise. And now, now you can just look at the results on the field for that. And they're also saying, how come Winnipeg's keeping all their stars, but we can't? Rough Riders need to answer for that. And as a matter of fact, that's one thing Ed said. If Ed's like, if you want to know why I'm not with the Rough Riders anymore, ask them. Because I don't want to say. Well... So that was his take on that. Now I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. Okay. Darren in Salt Lake City says, Rod, do you think Brian Flores becomes the Colin Kaepernick of NFL coaches for his lawsuit that was announced yesterday? The answer to that is yes, I absolutely think that he will, but I don't think he cares. And for those that don't know to what we're referring Fired Miami Dolphins coach Brian Flores sued the NFL and three of its teams Tuesday saying racist hiring practices by the league have left it racially segregated and managed like a plantation. The lawsuit filed in Manhattan federal court sought class action suits or sorry status and unspecified damages from the league, the Dolphins, the Denver Broncos and the New York Giants, along with unidentified individuals. Flores was fired last month by Miami after leading the Dolphins to a 24-25 record over three years. They went 9-8 in their second straight winning season, but failed to make the playoffs during his tenure. Remember when he was fired? Everybody around here was shocked. wasn't a popular decision by the Dolphins. But the lawsuit allege that the league has discriminated against Flores and other black coaches for racial reasons, denying them positions as head coaches, offensive and defensive coordinators, and position coaches as well as general managers. That's the wire story on this. Obviously, you're seeing wall to wall coverage. Jeff Reinbold is on European television talking about this as this a guy that's worked in the NFL. I'm uncomfortable talking about it because A, I'm white, B, I'm not racist. I kind of like walking a high wire. I don't really know. So I shot a text message to a couple of my black NFL friends. And I said, D- is there merit to Flores's claims here? And they said, absolutely, there is reinbold said as much on sky sports europe like there's one black head coach in the nfl one out of 32 teams yes it's a microcosm of american society there's racism everywhere there's racism in the national football league the the interesting thing about flores though here before he launched this lawsuit what i i'm only going by the football people i've talked to here plus what i've heard uh, from the insiders in the media is that Brian Flores was really hard to deal with here. You know, the general manager of the Dolphins, who is black, by the way, Chris Greer, apparently was a power struggle between him and Flores here, and they kept giving Flores more and more control over personnel, more and more control over everything, and he was never, ever happy, couldn't get enough, and finally they're like, you're fired. That Brian Flores isn't the easiest guy to work with. You know, maybe he was fired because he's a jerk. I don't know. I've never met the guy. but. Clearly his career, I guess, doesn't mean as much to him as writing this injustice, which everybody agrees is a thing. There is racism in the National Football League. And I know you have thoughts on this and you've been watching the coverage out of the States too. tell our viewers a little bit of what you know and where Bill Belichick comes into this. That was from what I understand, like the, the uh, cornerstone of Flores is the last straw, I guess, where he decided to mount this That's- lawsuit. That's,
2: that's the cornerstone of the, whole, of the whole suit. I mean, it's that text message. That's the proof, right? You see the text message conversation exchange between Bel- Belichick and, and Brian Flores. And, you know, it was a different Brian that got hired by the Buffalo Bills, right? And Belich- Bill's Belichick texting was texting Brian the wrong guy.
0: guy.
2: He was texting the wrong guy saying, congratulations, I hear you're in the running. And Brian Flores is like, wait, I don't, I don't interview till Thursday. You know, well, it sounds like you're their guy, right? And then, wait, do you know you're messaging Brian Flores and Bill Bell? You can see the text messages online. And Bill Belichick put his foot in his mouth. He's like, I read this wrong. I'm sorry. It looks like they're going with the other guy. And Brian Flores hadn't even interviewed yet. And so you look at what the Rooney rule is, that you have to hire, you have to interview, you know, up to, you have to interview multiple minorities for every head coaching job and one minority for every assistant coaching job, you know, in the league. Um, so Brian Flores gets called in, whether they were considering him or not, right? You know, we've had, I've been in situations running interviews where I have 10 candidates lined up for an interview. And the second one I interview is a home run. And I'm like, I, I need to hire that person. They're so good. And unfortunately, the other people don't even get a shot, right? You still want to go through them just in case. Do your due diligence. But it looks awful suspicious like, you know, Brian Flores has a real case here. And it's 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 not good. It's not a good look for the NFL. And you wonder what it'll do to Brian Flores. You know if other teams are going to want to bring him in now because you talk about the Colin Kaepernick comparison. That's what's unfortunate,
1: and it's it's definitely not a good look. Fans don't really want to know what's going on in sports with their favorite leagues or teams. They just don't. Moose, uh, thanks for this. We'll see you back in hour two. Sounds good. Randolph's watching in Ontario. He says, this is a tough one. Discrimination is hard to prove, even when it looks obvious. John Ohm, watching in Winnipeg. Ohm. He says the Winnipeg Blue Bombers went 31 years without winning a Grey Cup. Now that they have two in a row, they're the best damn thing in the flatland. Well, I've written about it. I've said it. Let them have their due. They waited 31 years for this. Oh, so let them have it. They've earned it. I'm enjoying it thoroughly. Wayne in Victoria, B.C. I agree that it's concerning that players like Ed Ganey and Luchez Pirifoy are living. Winnipeg is re-signing their players, as Rod said. I'm just repeating what I hear from the Ryder Nation. How come Winnipeg can sign all their stars, but we can't? Ask the Riders. Curling Emma Miskew kept herself in the fight for the playoffs while Chelsea Carey took a body blow Tuesday at the Scotties in Thunder Bay. Miskew's wildcard three rink improved to three and three with an easy 14-1 win over Bridget McPhail of none of it. In other games, Sarah Hill from Newfoundland won her second game of the week with an 8-5 upset of Northern Ontario's Krista McCarville. Saskatchewan's Penny Barker used a 9-6 win over Suzanne Bird of PEI to improve to 3-2. Andrea Crawford of New Brunswick leads Pool A at 5-0. Kerry Einerson's Team Canada improved to 5-0 with a 10-5 win over Marianne Arsenault of BC, while Kerry Galusha of the Territories used an 8-6 victory to hand Manitoba's Mackenzie Zacharias her first loss. In other games, Alberta's Laura Walker defeated Yukon's Haley Burney 11-5, and Ontario's Holly Duncan picked up a first win with an 8-6 victory over Nova Scotia's Christina Black. Anerson, the two-time defending champion from Gimli, Manitoba, leads Poole at 5-0. And Gary Trent Jr. scored 33 points on 11 of 20 shooting as the Raptors beat the Miami Heat 110-106 at Scotiabank Arena Tuesday night for their third straight win. What I tell you, what I tell you, Gary Trent Jr. is my favorite Raptor. I'm just going to throw in. That's the tail end of our quick six. Brought to you by Ballers Rec Room. Check out our brand new line of games. The Tap, Brew House, and Drive Thru Liquor Store. And for Red Bull Canada, Red Bull gives you wings. Seattle Kraken broadcaster Mike Benton joins us next. You're watching the RP Show from beautiful off and on sunny South Florida on Game Plus TV, YouTube Live, and 24-hour sports radio at rodpeterson.com.
0: Head to youtube.com slash the Peterson Show now. You got to subscribe. Click the subscribe button for all the content you may have missed. Did you know you can catch all the best moments from the show on all our social media platforms? Now back to the studio with Rob. Welcome back
1: everybody. Daytime sports talk continues. And we want to tell you telemiracle.com, the 50-50 raffle is live now. It's become an annual tradition. It's the 46th edition of Telemiracle, a Saskatchewan tradition. Raffle proceeds will stay in Saskatchewan, will be part of Telemiracle 46, supporting the great work of the Kinsman Foundation. Kinsman Foundation, helping people every day improve their quality of life through independence, gifts of mobility, and medical travel assistance. Tickets can be purchased by anyone over the age of 19. You have to physically be in the province of Saskatchewan. Draw date is March 2nd. Please purchase yours at telemiracle.com. Time to talk a little NHL, and last night in Boston, we mentioned it earlier, and I will again, David Pasternak scored twice, including a tie-breaking power play goal on the third, lifting the Bruins over the Seattle Kraken 3-2. Mike Benton hosts Seattle Kraken uh, broadcast out of Seattle, good friend of ours, and he joins us today from the Emerald City. How you doing, Benton on the mic?
3: rod great to hear from you my friend i know when i start my day with you guys in this show it's gonna be a great one so i'm feeling great how about you man
1: ah good to hear it good to it. it's funny you say we're middle of the afternoon out here on the east coast and there you are all the way out in seattle last time we had you on mike the kraken were somewhat like it was very early in the season and it looked like they were going to threaten to do something now last place in the pacific division and i'm just wondering if they still have the uh attention of the seattle sports fan how this is how is this first season going over given the fact that the playoffs look like uh not happening
3: well certainly i think when you compare the expectations of back in the summer to now um we were certainly miles ahead back then as far as where we thought this team would be now That being said, they are an expansion team here in season one. Uh, Some people who have waited uh, not just for years but for decades to have NHL hockey in the Seattle area uh, have been trying to look at really more of the underlying parts of this season and enjoy them step-by-step despite the mounting losses. So attendance has been great. Turnout has been great. There have been a few more empty seats in the lower bowl, on the upper bowl, but nothing that is really of alarming concern, I think. So, you know, I, I think a lot of people are really understanding around this area, despite how tough losses are, of how long it takes really to build a winner. And once we got past that phase of trying to compare this team to the previous folks on stage in the Vegas Golden Knights, there was more understanding of really how long term you had to look as far as. A build up this team right from its foundation i want to say back in december uh we had a chance to take a look at the metrics here with how progress has been made for this team versus other expansion teams since the big boom of the 1990s and you take vegas out of the equation the only team that was better than the seattle kraken was the florida panthers under roger nielsen back in 93-94 so a lot of patience really has been required to Absorb this build. You're going to take some body blows here, and the Kraken certainly did so last night in Boston, coming back to tie it, then losing on a power play goal, then the Ranger game on Sunday, uh, coming back to tie it, extra attacker goal, then all of a sudden, boom, Keandre Miller scores from the point. But uh, you're hearing a lot of talk from the room about building a culture, building a winner, and not just that, but finding ways to embrace the area and, Outside the glass, the so Kraken certainly are checking out those boxes here in season one.
1: Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. Just as a Golden Knights fan, and they are still my number one team, I just, I didn't think that they'd come close to matching Vegas, and they really haven't. But having said that, there's been 10 pole wins, Mike, like I said. And I've listened to you on some of these broadcasts, sweeping the Florida Panthers, for instance, in the regular season, is sitting well, you had some big home wins. Like, talk about those. What, are the, what have been the high points? the Kraken in their expansion season.
3: You know what? I have to think back and remember what the building sounded like. December 3rd against the Edmonton Oilers, uh, the end of their win against the Florida Panthers and think, man, how loud would this sound come Stanley Cup playoff time? You always hear that Seattle fans are well known for their passion, for their volume. I had a chance to experience it WHL level, Everett Silver Tips games, Seattle Thunderbirds games even. You know, don't discredit, you know, teams like Spokane and Tri-City when they pack their venues out. There's a lot of passion which translates into energy and volume and we're seeing that translate to the Major League Sports team, the Seahawks and now present day with the Kraken. So moments like that matter. People go home and think what's it going to be like when you see a team that takes that next step, that then contends for a playoff spot, then gets into the Stanley Cup playoffs, I had to envision what this arena is going to be like from a home ice advantage. It's like a 17,000 seat fishbowl. You have seats stacked on top of one another, just kind of like Bell Center in Montreal. And we all know how loud Bell Center is out there. So, from a bit of a lesser scale, but from more of an acoustic standpoint, when You can tap into that energy. Players and head coach Dave Axtell have mentioned how much it can be an advantage for them when it comes to big games, like when Edmonton was on a heater and they came in back in December uh, and they took down some giants, like in the Carolina Hurricanes and the Florida Panthers. Crowd volume makes a big difference, and I have to think when they can take that next step after this season, years down the road, how much of an asset that's going to be in Stanley Cup playoff time, and it's going to be huge.
1: Mike, we got two minutes. I got two questions. One, Climate Pledge Arena. I've called several games out of there when it was the key arena. Is it even recognizable after the reno's from what it used to be?
3: Yeah, good question, Rod. Um, to me, it's a brand new building. I, I had a chance to uh, enjoy a concert there about three and a half years ago, right before they uh, shut the building down, wiped it clean. So basically, they took the forty million pound roof, suspended it. You know, so to speak, using you know super strained pulls to keep it up, and just wipe the entire deck clean and build a brand new arena underneath. I came in before the Canucks game uh, for the home opener back in October, and I went, "Oh my goodness!" Uh, it was just like taking your 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 house. Stripping it down right to the foundation, you know, tearing off the the drywall, the wallpaper, the carpet, everything, and putting everything brand new, turnkey, like you're just watching an HGTV show. So uh, it really is top of the line, and it's been very, very
1: enjoyable. All right, thank you. And lastly, my boy Ebs, Jordan Eberle, the lone crack in All-Star. You saw Nathan McKinnon grumbling that not every team should be represented in the All-Star game. He felt he should have some abs teammates on there. I disagree. Jordan Eberle will be going to the All-Star game. Is there, is there some buzz about that in the Emerald City that Ebs will be re- representing your team in Vegas?
3: Well, certainly people have enjoyed Jordan Eberle and what he's done here for season one. And, you know, it's really been, I think, telltale how much of a difference he's made for the Islanders when he was there uh, playing alongside Matt Barzell. And at times, uh, he's had a chance to really drive offense on this team and at one point was on pace for a 40-goal season with this team. Uh, He's hit the skids now. Uh, He's about now 20 games without a goal. But, you know, scores are going to be streaky. They're going to have ups and downs. Uh, The one thing, though, that you enjoy about Jordan Eberle the consistency of his attitude, there's no panic in his game. Uh, that's made a big difference, and Jared McCain has taken that next step and has now taken the lead in goal scoring. So Jordan Eberle, for what he's done, earned the first hat trick in franchise history, really establishing a footprint as their go-to guide to generate offense. Uh, a lot of celebration here for Everly. And funny enough, he goes right from playing the Islanders this evening, his former team, right into the All-Star break. What a week for him.
1: He's always a busy guy. He's always playing in the big games, and the big tournaments. And he's loving Seattle, too, by the way, Mike, which is I'm glad that it's worked out for everybody. Man, keep up the great job. I'm listening all the way out here in Florida. Enjoy the All-Star break. As always, Rod, thank you, my friend. Appreciate it. Thank you, buddy. Give him a follow on Twitter, Benton on the mic. Mike Benton, Seattle Kraken, broadcaster. We'll be back with Taco Time. Viewer takeover. Everything you want to talk about is on the table next. We'll be right back. You're watching on Game Plus Television, YouTube Live, and 24-hour sports radio at rodpeterson.com.
0: Have you subscribed to the Rod Peterson Show YouTube channel yet? Head to youtube.com slash the Rod Peterson Show now. Share your opinions now. We won't victimize you unless you really deserve it. Now, back to your host, Rod Peterson.
1: Okay, welcome back, everybody. Lots of time here for viewer takeover. For Taco Time, Canadians love local. Go loco, eat local. Taco Time uses ingredients sourced in Canada. As you probably know, our beef, chicken, cheddar cheese, sour cream, and Mexi fries all come from the great white north. I can't wait to get back to Calgary and enjoy me some taco time. So it's viewer takeover, as I said, we're talking about Ed Ganey leaving the Saskatchewan Rough Riders not on good terms. That's the sense I got from him. We were talking with him this morning. Metal shingle guy writes in on the 902 text line. The number's on the screen. Maybe Jeremy O'Day knows it's time to move on from some guys earlier than later. Remember Charleston Hughes? Still lots of free agents. Eh, That's what I said on Twitter. We haven't even hit free agency yet. Maybe the Rough Riders have a plan. It's just tough to see good people and great players leave the team on bad terms. But that's sports. Regarding the new the new name of the Washington NFL team, I'm on record as saying I like it. We opened the show with the Washington Commanders. It was announced this morning. Chris uh, Jarl, watching in Surrey, B.C., says if the Commanders go Commando. We might see too much burrito. Spicy. Uh, by the way, I know. Go follow Taco Time Canada on Instagram or Taco Time Regina. And uh, specifically, the Taco Time Regina, they've got a promotion today. Big stuffed burritos. I'm like, get in me. Big stuffed burritos at Taco Let's Time today. Go. L- L- you betcha, Rick Regan. Stephen Jacobs, Stephen Jacobs watching in Severn, Ontario, on Game Plus Television says, I don't dislike commanders. I like the Washington football team. Commanders, too many syllables, too vague. Is it Armed Forces or Star Trek? <laughs> he says, Commander Riker was my favorite. Well, it depends on how they roll it out. But I like the fact that Ron Rivera, their coach, wanted a military tie-in. So did I. If you weren't watching off the start of the show, I said one in ten Americans has some sort of tie-in or affiliation with the military. I get a family member themselves having served. Last minute? Last minute of play in hour one. So I like it. I, think that, I just think they roll it out. The colors are going to stay the same. Burgundy and gold. Um, I liked Washington football team, too. I did. It was simple. It was streamlined. It was classy. But they want a name. And, you know, this will make it a lot easier for a mascot. You have to think about all those things, right? Jeff uh, watching in Redmond, Oregon, on Game Plus Television, where they carry us on TDS cable all through the state of Oregon and Washington. He says, call them the commies for short. no not as a right wing guy he also says who's tampa gonna have a quarterback next year let's get into that next hour eh what say you uh the moose will be with us and mo egger from uh, bengal's radio all coming up after this
0: head to youtube.com slash the rod peterson show now you gotta subscribe click the subscribe button for all the content you may have missed For more Rod Peterson on demand, visit rodpeterson.com.